0: The whole idea of precision agriculture and ag technology is about the decision making. It's about making that decision more precise, so you can make a better call on what you should do. From the University of Melbourne, this is Expert
1: Hack, a show about the changing world of work and how industry experts are finding clever solutions to tricky problems. I'm Ali Moore. Today, the surprising lessons that smart agriculture can teach you about making data-driven decisions. I'm joined by Dr. Sigfredo Fuentes, a fellow in digital agriculture, food and wine at the University of Melbourne, and Hayley Purbrick, owner of Big Sky Ideas Consultancy and environmental manager at Tarbilk Wineries. I began by asking Dr. Fuentes about the incredible innovations currently being made in agriculture. So in essence, the farmer could be sitting in Melbourne, the farm could be a thousand miles away and the sensors will work out when more water is needed, the irrigation system will be switched on, the irrigators will be moved and it will all happen while the farmer's having a nice cup of coffee somewhere a thousand miles away.
2: Yeah, that is the idyllic idea. So you have all the sensors and they're working with uh, all the apparatus like valves and putting irrigations according to to requirements and uh, yeah, basically... Uh, the ideal situation will be uh, an unmanned farm,
1: basically. Hayley, does this sound like the stuff dreams are made of?
0: <laughs> Do you know it's so interesting because for me it doesn't at all. Not because it's technology, but so technology needs to be proof. So you need ground truthing. So the way we look at it is where we will implement as much technology as we can, but it's got to enhance the decision making capacity of the person who. You know, is the farmer or the business owner, the viticulturalist, the cost and the reliability can't outweigh the implementation itself. So, to me, it's not ideal only because the reason I got into agriculture was because I love the hands on element of being outdoors, being living in a regional area, the community element that comes with that. So, so necessary, sitting in an office looking at data, to me, that's definitely not where I would like to be. But, but is
1: there perhaps a, a, perhaps a midway here that it's not that you can be a thousand miles away, it's more that you have all this extraordinary help, information that will help you build a, a better product in the end? Is that is yeah, that it? Yeah, I
0: guess the whole idea of precision agriculture and ag technology is is about the decision making. So it's about making that more precise so you can make a better call on what you should do. And if it can't do that, then you're not going to implement the technology. So at the moment the major challenges for us as, I guess, viticulturalists or wine makers is that we can tell by walking into a vineyard if it's water stressed. So, the technology needs to be able to greater enhance our precision around water, where the water stress is so that we're making better decisions. And it, it might be helping us with the way that we turn our irrigation on and off, because that is a major expense for us putting water onto the property. So, I, I just get really, I, I don't know, I, th- I love technology, but we've got this challenge because predominantly people want to live in cities. They don't want to live in regional areas. So sometimes I feel like a lot of the drive behind technology is to cater for people who aren't necessarily in the industry at the moment, but possibly people who might be in the industry in the future. Well, let's ask Sigfrid of that. I mean, is it is it a
1: skill set? Is it, a, is it a, a sort of a means in itself? Uh, and, and the cost-benefit analysis has to be the bottom line, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I think um, I understand where people come from that uh, they say, well, technology, uh, uh, you, you need to put the brakes a little bit. But I think there has been a shift uh, in the sense of uh, the adoption of technology. Like historically, not only here in Australia, but around the world, agriculture is an industry that is less fast in adoption technology. So it takes a while. When um, fifteen years ago, twenty-five years ago, they were starting adopting, like for example, satellite information, and then uh, it, it was two cores uh, in precision. So then uh, the UAV came, and then it was perfect for the resolution that, for example, growers they need. Now, the shift, uh, I think, is starting, uh, started happening in, uh, in America three years ago, and it's happening now in Australia. Like younger people is getting interest in agriculture due to technology. How we are applying technology in agriculture is uh, attracting more young people to stay in the farms and apply. We, we've been developing, for example, apps to take plant water status or um, stress levels or bigger control in in canopy. So you just snap a picture and it gives you a lot of parameters and
0: then you can take decisions.
1: So in some ways it makes the job more challenging, more interesting because you've got more to work with.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that is where it is so interesting. So I would see myself as a young person. I'm 33, so I don't know if that's young or old. Now I reckon that counts. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the interesting part of technology. And I guess when you look at agriculture, it is a really unique industry. You can grow, make, sell, and then you can service that industry as well. So with technology, I think a lot of it is figuring out which part of the process within agriculture are you servicing. And as a university, what sort of skills are we creating? So what sort of jobs are we putting people into? And it makes complete sense to me that younger people are interested in ag tech and complete sense that they would like to live in a city. So there is a growing agricultural service industry and I think universities have a huge part to play in that. What I'm concerned about, I guess, as someone who lives in a regional area running an agricultural business is we also need people who can grow. So they might be soil science background, so your farmer who has a great understanding of biology, chemistry, sunlight, water application, all those fundamentals, which is more almost climate science, understanding how things grow and how to get the best yields. And I would like them to come back to the country and to be trained in the country and to actually, yeah, we kind of need this holistic way to look at how tech is applied. So how do how do
1: universities produce the right people? So people who are able to do all those things that you just talked about, whether it's, you know, soil, whether it's climate, whatever the specialty is, but they can pursue innovation and they can draw in all that's available. It doesn't mean they don't go back to the farm, but they can use every tool that's on the table. How do universities do that?
0: From my perspective, is it is looking at it as a holistic system. And maybe the universities, I mean, I don't know a lot of people who are actually on farm who have been to university. They they might have gone to an agricultural college that is specifically around more that practical fixing machinery, a completely different skill set. You know, we want the same behaviours as in thinking outside the square, proactive, self-motivated. But I think university, say with a technical college, fits really well in the whole cycle of being able to get all of the right skills into you know a future employee to go back to the farm.
2: Well, yeah, in that sense, we have uh, our newly formed Bachelor of Agricultural Sciences that has been uh, since last year, and that increased the enrollments by 25%. So that is telling you that uh, the curriculum that we put together is, uh, I think, is according to the times of incorporating technology and also integrating all the farm experience, because uh, most of the um, bachelor is uh, based in Doqui, so it's got a
1: lot of it got a lot of practical work yeah, as well as yeah, theory.
2: Yeah, so it's um, and then uh, we incorporate all the all the technological bases like the um, unmanned aerial vehicle, remote sensing, and all the new stuff that we are developing. Not only research, but we are doing in practical situations as well. We are working really closely with uh, companies. Um, So we apply all the UAV technology to solve problems from the growers. So we don't go with predetermined ideas. So we go to to the grower and say, what is your main problem? What do you want to solve first? And it's all about efficiencies. Companies they made the mistake uh, in 2015 was the year of the drone or the year of the uh, UAV. Companies started to proud like everywhere, like offering services. And they were mainly engineers and nothing against engineer, actually I mean engineer. Uh, but they uh, didn't have the knowledge of plant physiology, soils, etc. So they were saying, no, we can detect differences, and they can be related to pests, disease, uh, water status, stress, or whatever. But they didn't know the plants, and then they differ from soil to soil, from environment to environment, etc. So the, uh, what they promised was too much, and then they didn't deliver and last year, 350 companies that they were providing those services, they went bankrupt. And that takes to the grower as well that they did the experience for this, with these companies and say, "Ah, oh, we try UAVs and oh, they don't work. So that is uh, th- something that we need to revert. And the main thing is you need to go to the grower and ask, what are, what are the questions? A company can't really go and say, "Ah, oh, we're going to increase your yield. We're going to decrease your um, uh, your inputs. Because probably sometimes the growers, they don't want that. So in viticulture, a company of um, uh, wine producers, they want to maintain their style. And that doesn't mean increasing yield or, or um, increasing quality. It's their style. And for that, you need to manage variability within the farm. And that is what technology can do, because doing it by eye is not going to happen.
0: I can see in the future that with uh, GPS technology, with sensing all the technology that's coming, there will come a point where the service industries no longer are reliable or cost effective and the farm will want to hire those skills internally because that cost-benefit relationship, you know, won't weigh up anymore. So it will shift sort of the... technical farm hand, I guess, someone that you have on the ground, is going to look very different with what they can fix and apply themselves to. But we're kind of in this transition phase where the technology and the research in technology is there, but the support mechanisms haven't necessarily been developed, particularly in viticulture, whereas for broadacre irrigation, With our GPS system, we could call up anybody anytime and they could come in and fix our GPS. But in the Gambia, where we are, three wineries, we're the biggest winery in that region. We're 200 hectares. We don't have anybody in our region who could support fixing a drone if something went wrong. And that is a challenge if the technology is going to be applied.
1: If we go back to that question, though, around, I guess, the education in a way, do you think that there's enough collaboration between universities and business, and universities and farms, universities and wineries, and enough of that mix in the education phase?
0: Definitely something that is becoming more of a focus, I think. And when I was looking at some of the questions today, I was thinking, what is the role of universities in the future? And what does that look like? And I think that collaboration between industry and research is going to become closer and closer. So those barriers are going to be broken down a lot more when I was an agricultural student, I literally knew nobody in the industry. It was not something that the university was focused on doing. So when you finish your degree, you were kind of thrown out into the wild. Whereas I feel like the universities are doing a lot more work in building those networks and relationships for students before they leave so that they have more options and pathways to work, which I think is really important.
2: The case of uh, viticulture specifically, I think uh, a big role is played by Wine Australia. So that is a link between the universities or the research institutions and the growers, because Wine Australia gives the money taken from the growers, so it's a levy uh, from their profits every year, and that goes for research. And that is what we apply for, and we had a few projects already done with y in Australia. One of those was developing the, the app that I mentioned for canopy management and uh, irrigation scheduling. And actually that it went live uh, last year, and uh, it's for free. The main thing is uh, most of the downloads are from America and Japan, not in Australia. And Australia pay for that, for that research. So I think uh, Wine Australia needs to put more marketing strategies to get involved, more growers. Otherwise, the benefits are going to be taken by somebody else.
1: Sigfredo, with the research that you do, you obviously do, you collaborate quite a lot inside the university.
2: Within the university, yeah, we are collaborating a lot with uh, the engineering department and computer sciences, mainly because they came to us, actually. Uh, We didn't have to go to them. And it's mainly students, they need to do project ideas for their degrees, master's or undergrad. And then uh, they want to do stuff that they supply in real situations. So for example, we were talking before, uh, in computer science, you can do a project for a thesis of a camera system, uh, looking in a ball in a table and then follow the ball and say, what's the point? You can do it, uh, it works. But um, then I say, well, imagine that now the red ball is an apple. And then you can actually recognize that apple and count it. So that is yield estimation with image analysis. And then they say, well, I'm interested in that. So it's a different approach. So then our computer science and engineering, they're working really close together with us, not only in agriculture, but in animal sciences as well. So the same technology that we use in the remote sensing platforms, like the UAVs, we are using it for cattle, dairy industry, to assess stress levels on animals. And then how that relates to the quality of the produce, like either milk, meat, etc. And for welfare as well.
1: But it does, it, it's interesting that, Haley, that you clearly understand how important innovation is. Can you see a day where the numbers will switch?
0: I can see a day when the numbers will turn. It all depends on the cost. So if there's broader adoption and somebody can get it into a place where the cost can come down, absolutely. And then the only other thing is reliability. So we need to have support around us to be able to manage it if something goes wrong. We also need reliable internet. At the moment on our property, we're an hour and a half out of Melbourne. We don't have reliable internet. That's something that we're trying to fix up. If we can't Wi-Fi our systems across to actually get the data around then it's useless data as well.
1: There's one other issue that we haven't covered, and that is, of course, that we're collecting huge amounts of data. If you do choose to to use this technology, how easy is it to know what to do with it?
2: Yeah, that is a, a different question as well. The companies that I mentioned before, that they went bankrupt, they didn't know how to do, how to deal with it. At the moment, we have a different projects to try to interpret the data for different applications. So one of them is obviously is the first question or the first priority for growers is uh, water use efficiency, increasing water use efficiency. The second one is fertilizer efficiency. And uh, the third one is canopy management. In all the surveys that we do with the growers, it's uh, exactly the same. Um, and then at the end, it's labor costs and how to improve that. Now we're working in different algorithms to try to interpret the data and do recommendations in that sense. We're working in one now that is working really well, and actually we apply it in China, is to detect uh, smoke uh, contamination in grapevines. So then at the moment uh, when there is a bushfire, there is smoke contamination. The growers, they don't know how to which extent the contamination has been in their farms. So, for example, they um, and they don't do anything. They just mix the whole thing and then contaminate the, and the whole production, basically. So now we're working on on trying to map the contamination so the growers, they can do a differential harvest and separate the contaminated with the non-contaminated.
1: And that's an easy thing to do from the point of view of getting the data.
2: Yes, you can do it in one day. So that is one of the demonstrations. So canopy management, uh, the app, for example, that technology can serve growers to take decisions on uh, how to manage the canopy according to specific outputs. So, for example, if your sugar levels, you can take a picture, this is the, in three more years, the project that we're trying to do, take a picture of your canopy from that particular plant, you're gonna know the sugar, acidity, etc. projected to, to harvest. If you don't like it, you can do carbon management, take another picture and see where you are, like in real time, instead of uh, waiting, to, if you want more sugar, less sugar, less alcohol, then you can modify the canopy, and it will give you the change instantaneously. So that is one of the ideas that we're working on.
1: I like say endless possibilities. Let, let's finish sort of ba- vaguely back where we started, which was not so much what the smart farm or even the, the smart winery it's going to look like in the future, but more the role of the agricultural scientist. I mean, it's as we talked about earlier, it's a completely different skill set. And they are so valuable, the people who are able to think laterally and pull in all the innovations around them.
0: Don't know if I have a comment on that. I'm just trying to think. Do you have something to say on that, Sid?
2: Yeah. No. I think, um, as you say, for example, the agricultural scientist needs to be more holistic in the sense of they need to know all the basics about uh, plant physiology, soil physics, et etc. But also how the technology can improve decision making and uh, how we can measure all those factors, uh, because we know from the basics uh, how the plant reacts according to different environments, etc. But if we have measures in real time, we can take decisions in real time. And that's what we're trying to do with the new Bachelor of Agricultural Sciences. We're trying to incorporate that knowledge into the future agronomists. And one of the, one of the majors that we're trying to implement next year is a major in viticulture and enology. So it's going to be the first degree in Australia that they prepare agronomists with a major in viticulture. All the other universities that are working them, they prepare viticulturalists. Or but they don't have the broad knowledge of agriculture or the plants. If you tell them uh, how the rice work, they didn't study that.
0: Gee, Hayley, there's
1: a new workforce for you.
0: Well, I must say, after this conversation, I'm going to speak to somebody exactly about that, about getting um, students onto our property to be able to share their knowledge with our staff. Because, you know, in a regional area, nine times out of ten, the people who want to live there are the people who've grown up there and they don't necessarily have a university qualification and have no interest of coming to the city. So for us, our reliable, stable workforce are regional people who have been there forever and want to live there. So if we can bring students in to help complement their skills and build their knowledge in that way, then for us, that's the end game. And maybe attract some students to come and work. That would be great too.
1: If you like this conversation, you'll love the next episode in the series where one scientist tells us their profession isn't about truth, but utility and what that can teach you about predicting behaviour. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or in your favourite podcast app. Expert Hack is a podcast from the University of Melbourne, where the Melbourne model is preparing students for the world beyond their degree. Learn more at unimelb.edu.au slash experthack.